0: Blog Talk Radio. Franchise pros, Stan the Man, Paul Segretto, time to show you the way. A franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of the entrepreneur? Or lay your business plan down like a rug on a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis. Or whatever passion lights that pilot light under your belly. Or do you wanna start a business, fam? Using the proven trademark from another brand, huh? And grow together and expand like a rage of fire. From a single to a multi unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear. stream streaming in HD, so fine tuned above your ears. And Standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor, it's all about sustainable growth and sensible franchising, proven concepts, and smart enterprising. So use your left and right side of your brain and absorb this knowledge here of franchising today. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible sustainable franchising. Franchise today, franchise today, franchise today.
1: Franchise today. Yeah. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. Today is Wednesday, June 27th, 2018, and normally I would be joined by my co-host, the infamous Stan Friedman, who will not be with us today as he is caught up in some major travel schedule and red eyes and a whole nine yards. So, Stan, rest up, my friend. Um, Just like to bring up some thoughts from the uh, IFA insider yesterday. Momentum is rising around franchising, including last week's advancement of association health plans and the NLRB's recent decision to take up joint employer rulemaking. So, your attendance at the Franchise Action Network annual meeting in September in Washington, D.C., will allow you to take the franchise community's message straight to lawmakers. Everybody counts. Unite with the IFA in Washington. Uh, also, uh, succession planning and transfer of leadership. Can often been complicated for many franchises. Kalachi Factory CEO Don Nielsen, uh, a guest of our show a few months ago, who started sweeping the floors of her parents' franchise business at age nine, shares her personal story and advice for taking over the family brand in this exclusive Enfranchising World magazine. Uh, also, if you're part of an emerging concept founded by a millennial entrepreneur looking to scale, then you should apply for Next Gen Enfranchising. Global competition. What do you get? Well, exposure for your business, a trip to IFA 2019, a spot at the Next Gen Franchising Summit, and access to Next Gen's Accelerator program, Accelerator program, and more. We've had some great guests on from the program in the past. Um, if you're led by a millennial, your founder who's a millennial, I would jump at this right away. So uh, also to wrap up, targeting the local area is one of the best ways to increase foot traffic to your store. Join Todd Walls, Buxton's Chief Innovation Officer, for a free webinar on July 18th, driving foot traffic through local store marketing. And all of that is in this week's IFA Insider. So uh, we might as well just jump right into uh, today's show, As Stan is not here to uh, give me a hard time and me to give him a hard time. Um, Today's segment is titled, Bringing Outdoors Indoors for All Four Seasons. Uh, Our guest, Scott Walker, President and CEO CEO of Screen Mobile, was quoted as saying, in addition to health, wellness, and proper screen functionality, a trend we see today is bringing the outdoors indoors by incorporating a four-season screened-in room with both home and commercial properties. Scott, welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Well, thank you, Paul. Appreciate being here today.
1: And I would like to uh, thank All Points uh, Public Relations uh, for continuing to uh, help promote uh, Franchise Today. Uh, I know that um, Scott came in by the way of Bailey Hewitt and the team at All Points, so we appreciate that. You know, Scott, uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, apologize for Stan not being here today. Uh, he contacted me about six in the morning, dragging his way back from uh Atlanta airport after a, a red eye, so um, he wanted to pass on his apologies for not being on today as well.
2: No worries that means I get your
1: un, un
2: uh, unabated <laughs> attention
1: <laughs> yep that that's it that's it. well, you know, as we usually. Um, say on the show to our guests to start out, you know, franchising is not something we wake up one day and say, you know, I think we'll get involved in franchising. It usually finds us and sometimes at um, the most um, unique times, sometimes it's kind of planned out and we do some research and sometimes doors or windows just open up. So why don't you bring us back as far (laughs) as you would like uh, and, and lead us up into, uh, you know, your step into franchising and, and where you are today.
2: Yeah, yeah, no worries, Paul. That was a good, that was a good one. Doors and windows. Yeah, I'm into that um, big time. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I want to just say that, you know, we're from California, and um, all there's been three great companies that have started from garages in California, um, Microsoft, mm-hmm. Apple, and ScreenMobile. So, um, we're, we're, uh, in a good spot and we started, I would say uh, so. you know, yeah, we started in uh, you know, the LA area and, uh, you know, Paul, it was, it was, it, it's interesting. I wish we were smart enough to know what we know now when you're exactly right. It, it just kind of found us and, uh, we weren't planning on getting in the franchise industry. We were very familiar with the franchising world, um, but my, uh, it, it happened to be a father and son um, business that, um, you know, my dad was a – I was in college. My dad was in the aerospace purchasing world, and he had four kids, some in college, and wasn't making enough money. And we were from the side of the tracks that um, if, it's, if it was broken, it stayed broken unless you fixed it. Um, and so it was pretty easy when my dad went to a franchise show – and saw a uh, franchise, the house doctor. And, uh, we've been fixing things all our lives and, and thought, well, this is interesting. And so he ended up purchasing a franchise called the house doctor. I think it's changed ownerships a couple times since then. And, um, so we started and he called me up and he said, Hey, I bought a franchise. I need some help. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm going to college. I have a landscaping business. And, um, he needed some help, and I'm like, sure, what do you need? And he says, I need somebody to, to actually do the work. I'm, I'm good at the sales and the managing of it. I need somebody to do the work. So I, I became um, the production technician. And it was really interesting that, uh, you know, just everything I used to do, fixing around things at home, now we were charging for it. And it was uh, we kind of fell into the screening world. You know, we never, like I said, I wish we were smart enough. But we just never knew that the screening industry was so large. And so what happened was is that um, I had a friend of mine I went to high school with. He was working at the local lumberyard. We were running the House Doctor franchise. And uh, I found that if I sold the, the job, I'd have to go to the lumberyard to pick up whatever hardware I need. And my friend Kurt was working in the um, screen shop. And so... I'd go and not only sell the job, but I'd pick up ten or fifteen screens. I'd bring in my buddy Kurt. He'd put me first in line and um I'd get the job done while I'm buying the material. I'd come back and saw it. The customers just love that. Well Kurt was a really good guy. He actually worked for me for a while. And in the uh in that time he moved up into management. Well, what happened then is I do my same routine, come back to Kurt. Well, where's Kurt? He's in management. Well I got a bunch of screens. Yeah, no problem. We can take care of it for you. It'll be two weeks. It's like, well, that's not going to work. My customers, you know, they want mm-hmm. that service, they want the convenience. So we ended up uh, building a screen table in our garage. And we started doing the same routine. And so instead of having them done with Kurt, we'd bring them to our garage. We'd do them in the garage. We'd go and install them. Customers loved it. Well, what happened was we're in LA, California. And the traffic down there can be horrendous. So we had about a 45-minute drive to a customer that just wanted two window screens. And then on the, then we'd have to go down there and measure them, come back and make them in the garage, go back and install them, and come back. So I'm thinking, that's, you know, that's three hours of travel time for two window screens. Now, this was back in the early 80s. And so we were uh, – it was, you know, maybe 70 bucks was a total job. But that winter – We had bought a tent trailer from our neighbor. And that tent trailer, we took up camping. The wind came up, and uh, it blew it apart, and so we made a utility trailer out of it. So we were standing there talking about this job, and we're looking at this utility trailer sitting there. And we said, you know what? Why don't we just take the table and put it in the trailer, and we'll just take it down and do it all at the same time. So we put some frame on there, some fabric, some corners, a saw, an extension cord. And while we were down there, we did the two window screens, but the neighbor came up. We did a couple more screens, and we're like, wow, this really worked. They really liked it. This was easy. It was convenient. We're on to something here. So we started strapping our – We instead of strapping our table down on the tent trailer, now we um, actually bolted it down And started soliciting people to do screens at their house and found out that there was, I don't know, 4,000 screening companies before we started. But we started providing the mobile aspect with a professional service aspect. And what happened was that you just treat people well, you do what you say, you charge a fair price, they love it. You offered the convenience, which is a really was an inconvenient market. So we're th- we're thinking, well, wow, this is great. So we're, we, um, we're working with the House Doctor franchise, or and um, you know what, he promised in his franchise agreement, he wasn't delivering. And so, you know, we came from a franchisee's perspective, and we thought, you know, if we ever started our own franchise, we would sure do things differently. And so we dissolved that relationship with that franchisor, and we started just doing mobile. And so we started just doing mobile. We were in the uh, L.A. basin, and uh, it became wintertime. And so we said, well, you know, we used to go camping with our grandparents out at the Colorado River, which is about four hours from L.A. So let's go out there because we know it's warmer in the winter. Well, at the time, I'm in college. I'm dating this cute little girl. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be four hours away. So we're driving out, and there is a sign that said Palm Springs. And since we're from the side of the tracks that didn't know anything about resort living, golf courses, um, you know, had no idea, we pulled off there and said, wonder if there's any homes there and if anybody needs any screens. And we started our second location in the Palm Springs area. Our first location was in L.A. Our second one was in Palm Springs, and we thought, well, this really – actually, this can work. Uh, And, you know, we probably should franchise this. So coming from the house doctor perspective as a franchisee and now thinking about, well, you know, we've done two locations now. We could probably franchise this. What do we want to do with our franchise system, and what is going to be part of our culture of what we're going to build uh, into our franchisees and what is what are, what are going to be our cornerstones of what makes us successful and what will make our system successful over the years And so we, uh, we started selling franchises. Uh, first one was you know if you if you've interviewed enough franchiseors, you know it's usually family and friends is where you start at and uh, sure especially for the new people that are just starting up and thinking about, you know, getting into the franchises or building a franchise, you're going to look at your family and friends. And so we tapped uh, my dad's brother and sister, and they both bought a franchise, one in Boise, Idaho, and one in uh, Alameda, California, and then my sister. Um, And so we started teaching them the industry, making some mistakes, but, you know, we just knew the right things to do for the consumer and continue to do those right things and we have uh we've been franchising um, and from that point till now and uh,
1: so before we get too deep into the uh, franchise side, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the uh, the consumer side because it's interesting um, you you basically start the consumer proposition while you're a franchisee with with somebody else and then make the change, and as you're even growing the business. You're already starting to think about, you know, expanding locations, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with low-hanging fruit, as you as you would say, um, people sure. that you know, relatives that get involved in it. But from a consumer standpoint, you know, what were the, the differentiation points from you and all those other, you know, mom-and-pop handymen that were out there, you know, dealing with uh, screens and and what have you?
2: yeah yeah you know there's a there's a a couple things that just kind of all wind up, and some of those things we had control over and some of the things we did not. One of them was um, most screen shops are run by production guys. They know how to make screens, but they don't know how to run a business. And so what happens is that you end up with guys that are just awesome at making screens, that they would take three to four weeks for you to get there. They wouldn't show up on time. They would um, either undercharge so they don't make enough money to uh, keep their company going, or they overcharge and gouge customers. And so what we found is that <clears throat> with uh, a little bit of knowledge, which my, my dad had the business experience and some maturity to him, but then the, the younger, my brother, Monty, and myself were the service technicians, the youth, and the mechanical ability. That was a really good combination from the consumer standpoint because from, the, from a business, how do you run a business well? And so from the consumers, you know, you and I are kind of all the same, and most of our customers are all the same. They just want somebody that's going to answer their phone, or right now it's either answer the phone, respond with an email or a text, but – communicate with me at my time not at your time so if I if I have a screening need I do have that need now so I want to communicate with you now so what we found what was a big difference is <clears throat> answer your phone and 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 take that priority of communicating with your customer as a number one priority for you in your business so we started doing that um, is, is, you know, in a service-based business working at somebody's home, you know, that's their, probably their most important investment they have. If they're going to call somebody out to work in their home, they want to be able to trust that person, and they want to talk to a live voice. And so we started doing that. Hey, let me and,
1: answer and the phone. Imagine in, in it, yeah, and I imagine it's different in a, um, along those same lines you know, and, and be able to perform the service in a a timely manner. You know, a lot of people don't think of, you know, um, you know, screen repair as being a necessity. Uh, I know from my perspective, because I've got grandchildren that run in and out of our back door where we have a screen and invariably we, uh, you know, every few months the screen gets pushed and it, and it breaks. And of course, Mm -hmm. you know, it lets bugs in and, and, you know, people are screaming all the time, close the door um, it becomes an inconvenience, and quite frankly, it looks like hell. Um, I've, so, I know so, I go so through Paul, somebody yeah. replacing that screen four times a year.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, Paul, what you would do is you would find Screenwell, they'd answer the phone or return her email request. Um, they could schedule it without you even being there. They'll go by, they'll rescreen the door for you, they'll take a picture of it, they'll send you a picture of it completed with an uh, email, you an invoice, and uh, you can pay for it with a credit card, and that that pain of that inconvenience of how do you haul this thing around, you take it somewhere, you leave it there, you have to go pick it back up, you know, that's kind of the easy part. The hard part is when you have to make new ones. Did I measure right? Is it the right size? How do I know it's going to fit? How do I adjust it? How does it get, is it going to slide correct it? Um, and so a lot of people just say, you know what, I, I've tried it once, I'm just going to Forget it. I'm just not going to do it. And so they find us. They find screenmobile somehow. Some of our marketing pays off. They find us, and they're like, well, that's easy. I'll just call them, and they'll take care of it. And that's why we just make it real simple for people. Just you
1: call us, we scream. And it works, and and people just love that. Yeah, I remember seeing Mike yeah and I remember seeing my dad with the uh the old pizza cutter trying to put the the rubber in the in the uh in the groove and oh my god but you know it's 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 a lot more than that uh obviously um I love you know one of the quotes that uh I read from from you uh about you know taking uh outdoors indoors and mm-hmm. really there's so many parts of the country where you can enjoy your outside living and it's an extension of your home. Uh, into an all-round propos- all-year-round proposition, not to mention, mm-hmm. of course, we we hear a lot about insects, you know, carrying viruses. Talk some to that perspective from the consumer's point of view.
2: Yeah, you know what's happening, Paul is. Outdoor living concepts um, have been around a long time, but they're the builders are building homes with that in mind now. You know, it used to be. You'd have a, a fr- maybe a little front entryway, maybe not even a back porch. But now the builders are building, um, especially down towards the southeast, the they're they're including a screened-in porch, they're including an outdoor concept. Uh, and so what's happening is we're coming along and we're working with builders um, to build their screened-in porches for them. But <clears throat> there are some variables, and some of those customers don't want a screen there all year round. So we'll We'll do We'll build them uh, so they're motorized and they're on a roll, and so they'll roll up and down. So when you want your screen, you press a button and it rolls down or you crank it. Um, you're going to put it with a crank and it rolls down so you can have the convenience, but then you don't have to look at it all year round, roll it up out of the way. The other cool part about it is uh, some customers you know when they have an outdoor patio, they put you know nice furniture in there, they put carpeting or tile, they put some plants. It, it's a nice place to come and sit. Well, we have a, a product um, where we have screen, and then we have uh, panels that slide up and down. So it's, it's kind of like a three-seasons room where you can weatherize it. So if it's going to be rainy and stormy out, you raise these panels either up or down, and it keeps the wind and the rain out. Um, it's, it's pretty wow. neat. So that way your carpet stays dry, your tile stays dry. Um, it's it's a really slick way to do it, and then you just we can do regular patio panels. Um, but from the consumer standpoint, um, it takes that usable space, and they don't have to be worried about bitten by mosquitoes or flies or ticks or having any of the, the diseases that are coming along with mosquitoes. Um, and they can still enjoy their outdoors. And so we've done them on. Boathouses. We've done them on gazebos. We've done, we've, you know, some of our guys have taken their truck and trailers because that's how we work with a truck and trailer. They put them on a barge and take them over to a guy's private island and did a screen-in porch for him on his island, and they put it back on a barge and bring it home. So it's, uh, it's pretty neat. So we're, we're really big and just, you know, what do you, what are your needs? And let us see if we can help you because we have many options. You know, the size of screen depends on the size of bug what you want the screen to do. Do you want to keep your house cool? Um, Do you want to keep the pets from tearing up your screens? Do you want privacy? Um, Do you want ventilation? Um, You know, there's just so many different variables. You want screens that can last longer. Um, So it's, one of the things that we've done, Paul, is we've taken um, a national perspective on the screening industry to each one of our franchisees. So a guy on the East Coast may not have products ready available to him if he was a normal screen company, but since he's part of the system, the guys from the West and from the East, they're sharing ideas, sharing products, and finding out that they work on both sides of the country. And um, it's pretty cool to see how products are being um, utilized in a non-typical way, and the consumers are just loving it.
1: Yeah, you know, most people, um, I know, like myself, I'm 60 years old. I grew up with the old, you know, screens on the outside of the house that you you, you took in for the winter, and spring came around, you cleaned them, you made the repairs, you put them in, and hope they all went in square. A couple of them looked like they were a little bit bent, and it was just, you know, just the, the, the way it was. It was just totally um, a functional component of not having air conditioning and leaving the windows open and, and the screens there. Of course, today's day and age, as you were alluding to with all the different uh, possibilities and applications of, of screen today, that has changed that. But it also you know, needs to be a little bit nicer looking, too. Um, you don't want to look at a house today and look at it and say, oh, they got the screens on. Uh, they look like they were permanently part of the house. And I think this all goes into you know, this wave of, of home remodeling activity that continues to rise year over year. Can you talk a little bit from that perspective?
2: Yeah, you know, um, where it really comes into is on the porches and patios. You know, we have different color frames to match different color homes and different color windows. Uh, and the screen, the screen comes in usually basic bug screen is gray and black, but then the sun controls have different colors as well. But in porches mm-hmm. and patios, that's where it gets really kind of fun and kind of interesting um, because when we get to the remodeling stage of a porch and patio, they can take these rolls that I was talking about and they can build boxes up in the soffit and they recess these back up inside of the, the soffit area with the tracks that, that they'll put down and kind of hide the tracks. And so what happens is you don't, you don't have anything that obstructs your view. The box and the tracks are all out of the way. And so it just looks like a regular patio, but when you want to have that enclosure or you want to have a screen room in, you press a button, and, and you can have three or four of these come down all at the same time. Um, it's really neat.
1: how And they have, like,
2: felt at the bottom, so they seal the bugs out. They have zippers on the side, uh, half of a zipper, so it goes down on a track. So it just makes a complete bug seal um, around a, a, a patio, and the customers just love that, just love it. And... Rather than the traditional, what you were talking about, um, status quo, you know, two by fours, four by fours, staple on your screens, put wood lattice over the top, um, tree branch falls, puts a hole in it. You got to take the lattice off, take all the staples out, restaple it, repaint it, put it all back in. Uh, we can just roll those up out of the way and it's a really convenient, so it's, it's pretty neat how that, how that really works, um. In the, in the houses that they're building now, with the outdoor living contests with, with the screened-in porches, uh, either fixed panels or motorized, uh, they're just beautiful. Some of the stuff that my team and my franchisees are doing are just awesome. They're doing some beautiful work. Uh,
1: very impressive. Some of the pictures I see well, in I videos and when I go... I, I was going to say, I would imagine... Um, seeing some of the pictures and doing some of my due diligence ahead of today's show. You know, you have this nice branded truck show up. You had probably um, most likely have been a, a phone call with a pleasant person schedule your prompt person shows up in uniform is able to get things done fairly quickly on site. Is it a norm for people that maybe have Uh, asked to replace two screens, all of a sudden have you looking at more than that while you're on site? Mm.
2: Yeah, usually they can only see what they can, uh, that are obvious. And and in our world, um, we're looking at all the screens, uh, front, back, front door, back door, window screens, porch patio screens. And so, you know, we're there to service our customers or whatever their needs are. If it's just two window screens, be more than happy to take care of that. But what usually happens, um, if it's just two window screens, we can do that for you. But you have gray window screens, and you just painted your house white. So why don't we replace your screens with white to match your windows? And so what happens is, like, I never knew we could do that. That's a great idea. Let's do that. And so what our franchisees find out is if they just just be fair and honest, but let them know what's out there in the screening world, um, our customers just don't know. They're getting more and more educated. You know, we're trying to let them know what their options are. But, yeah, we do that all the time is we're just selling additional products. If they like what you do and you do business well, they usually ask you, what else do you do? If you don't do business yeah. well, they won't ask you. And you, you're, yes. you're just stuck doing
1: the two windows. Excellent. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Paul Segretto. Writing solo today as my co-host, Stan Friedman is dealing with the side effects of an extensive travel schedule, including a nasty red-eye last night. I'm talking today with Scott Walker, our guest, president, and CEO of California-based Screen Mobile. Franchise Today is brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and prospective, as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, and yes, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web. At frmsolutions.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their, for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, (laughs) digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about the Franchise Foundry along with their expanding list of clients at www.franchisefoundry.com. So as we take um, we get past this halfway point, I'd like to start talking about the uh, franchise perspective. And just to go back to some of your um, earlier comments, uh, bringing in your sister, uh, bringing in other family members uh, into the equation, you uh, opened the second location in uh, Palm Springs. What did the future hold at that point?
2: You know, um, that was the building stage. Uh, it's always exciting in the building stage. You're learning, you're learning how to be a franchisor, and what's required there. Um, that stage also was uh, it, it was an exciting stage because uh, there's a lot of newness going on. Making sure that all your systems are are correct. Making sure you're starting to learn how to work with vendors and and understand working with uh, you know, entrepreneurs, and they buy a franchise, so they're, they're a driven individual, and how do you corral those individuals and, and keep them motivated and keep them enthused um, and making sure you're picking the right ones? And so that's a, that stage right there was uh, really a stage of, of, of learning and trying to figure out, you know, what is your, what is your ideal candidate and what is your business model and how how do you how do you match those two together, um, and that just takes that took some work, that took some hard work to to, to figure oh, that I'm out. Oh, I'm sorry. it
1: wasn't and it wasn't like you went to the library and picked up a few books on uh, how to franchise your business, uh, because probably at that point they were few and far between. But I think the thing that really intrigued me is, you know, as you said, y'all started out as a, a franchisee, and when you decided to franchise it yourself, you wanted to do some things better than the previous franchisor or, or the previous franchisor that you were with. And I'm not, you know, certainly don't want to, you know, condemn anybody because they don't have an opportunity to, to share their piece. What specifically did you feel uh, was, was paramount for you, the franchise, and the way you wanted to treat new franchisees coming on board?
2: Mm. You know, you would think that every franchisee is, uh, is the same as far as it comes to support. And so what we found is, you know, we had kind of a different father-son team in the previous uh, franchise that we had, House Doctor, and our support needs were different. What we needed from the franchisor was was just, in our minds, it was just different. And so one of the things that we were big about is <clears throat> if, if we ever started a franchise system, we have to realize that a franchisee comes in with strengths and weaknesses. We have to be able to identify those with the franchisee and then support them uh, and encourage them in their strengths but also understand their weaknesses and be able to either bring them up in their weaknesses or find other people to help them with their weaknesses. And so one of our big things was, you know, knowing that our system is our system and just follow the system that works, But you're dealing with people. And not every person is perfect, and so you have to realize that they're going to they're have different support needs depending on their giftedness. And so that's one of the things that we, we really started wanted to, to make sure that the, we did that well is to t- take those franchisees and understand who they are and really encourage and support them on where they're where they're at and what they're good at and then help them where they need, just need some propping up and, and, and help so that was that was one big thing the other big thing is um, making sure that whenever we're doing uh, regional meetings or conventions that they're at educational um, aspect to them. There's camaraderie, there's building the brand, but more importantly, is they've got to leave with a value. You just don't go, go there and kumbaya together. They, there has to be a value uh, for them to spend the money and the time to come to a convention. And so, you know, that's another thing that we've been doing over the 30 plus years is ensuring that you know we spend the, a good amount of time, and my team does to to put a really good convention on that that we think is. Um, Beneficial for them um, and beneficial for their their franchisees. So we, you know, that was lacking, um, and it could have just been the age of the franchisor. He wasn't quite mature enough. Um, this not himself, but his system wasn't quite
1: mature enough. And so mm-hmm. we found that. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was, I was agreeing with you. Yes, a lot of times it is yeah. the system that's premature itself.
2: Yeah, and so we've, you know, we wanted support. want to make sure we have a a top-notch training Uh, not only training for them how to be a a screener how to make screens but you know how do you be a business owner what is what are some business owner type decisions that you need to make Um, what are what are how do you organize yourself and your company for success you know how do you train on that how do you encourage on that so, you know, we just identified some things that we wanted to do differently if we ran a, if we started our own franchise. And so we've, that's what we, that's what we do. And that's what we've done over the years
1: is ensuring so it's that. It's interesting that, yeah, it's interesting that, um, you know, the last 12 years, and I definitely have to give you uh, kudos and high marks for being ranked in the Franchise 500 the last 12 years consecutively. Uh, that's a tremendous. Uh, achievement, as we know, especially in today's day and age with a more fickle consumer, a more, um, probably even a more diligent uh, franchisor candidate, uh, tremendously uh, widespread competition, uh, not to mention, you know, another thousand or two businesses hanging out their franchise shield. So the last 12 Hmm. years absolutely tremendous to be listed. Tell us a little bit about you know, the early years of of franchising. I mean, there's got to be some peaks and valleys along the way. Take us through those first five or eight years of what franchising was about then because all too often with the guests that we have, um, like you, you've achieved a a nice relative level of success over years. we've, uh, we've, We've seen this nice, you know, hockey stick growth curve. Uh, which I imagine is some of what you went through, but, you know, certainly not enough spend enough time talking about what some of those early stage trials and tribulations are. And I think those would be absolutely great to share considering a big part of our listening audience are wannabe franchisors or just recently uh, have become franchisors. Hmm.
2: You know, one of the the big struggles that we had, because like you said, there was no book to go to, is how do you figure out territory size? What what what's since we yeah. work on homes, what's the right size? And there's you know, gosh, we spent hours and hours and months and months trying to figure out what's the right size territory. And so one of the one of the things that we did that I think most franchisors do is there is you is you try and get a franchisee right? You just try and get whoever you can. So if they pass the the fog of mirror test, they're in. And um, and then territory size, what do you? How big do you want it? And so we made some mistakes in the beginning by uh, not really understanding how to right size a territory. And depending on the the franchise system and you know what that looks like for each one. That's, that's kind of a hard one to figure out. That just, I would encourage anybody that's going to be doing territory mapping and, and size of territories, depending on the type of home and type of service that you're providing, is to really, really focus in on that and uh, spend the time that it takes to figure out the right size territory. Um, and, all, and always keep an eye on that, um, making sure that the, your territory sizing is correct. Uh, for your success, your franchisees. Too big of a territory harms them. Too small of a territory harms them. Um, so, what's that right mix? And that, that took a while to, to figure that out. You know, some of the mistakes we made. We we sold um, <clears throat> the whole state of Idaho to one person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: One one trailer. Okay, that doesn't work. Or you know. You just sold two big areas, and it became such a burden to these guys. They just couldn't handle um, all the work that comes in. And so what happens is they start harming the brand because the customers are finding them, and they can't service them, and they don't want to grow their business to accommodate that. And so now you have customers that are calling because they want screening work, but the guy's booked out six, eight, 12 weeks, and so he's harming his business because he's got too big of an area. Um, so what's that balance? So I would encourage them to find the balance <clears throat> on a territory size. Um, and so we did make some mistakes in the beginning. Too big of territories, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the uh, probably the other thing in the beginning <clears throat> is um, God, there's the first franchisees. Um, they they pro- they were some really good ones, but there were some there ones that weren't so good. They were just they were just the wrong fit, and so you know you get enough wounds in life mm-hmm. uh, picking the wrong people, you will become very picky at who you pick for the to join your system, and so that's what that's one of, you know one of the things I would say to a new franchisee is, is make sure you pro or new franchisee make sure you profile who is your candidate who is that person. What does their personality need to be like? What do they need to be gifted in? Um, <clears throat> and go after and find those people. Um, don't settle. Uh, settling will cause you nothing but pain, and will cause your franchisees nothing but pain because it's just not the right fit. Sure. Them. And then they won't they mm-hmm. won't be successful. They won't validate. Then you got to either get them out. You got to get up a lawsuit. It just becomes a mess. So, you know. These new franchisees, franchisors want to grow their business, um, but be just take your time and get the, the, as best as you can, pick the right people for your, for your business model.
1: And we made those mistakes. So with we, that we is, picked. Yeah, uh, well, I yeah. imagine a lot. And, and, and some of it, too, um, having worked with a, a large number of emerging franchises, that really the early stage franchisees, a lot of time. Aren't the franchise candidates you would pick later on, and vice versa? You probably have—I uh, know—you have more of a uh, of an entrepreneurial spirit uh, working with a company that might only have a couple of units. So you, you have people choose emerging brands for a variety, a variety of reasons. But as we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, ideal candidates and the uh, and the profile, what does your ideal candidate look like today?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll back up just a little bit. Some of the franchisees that we did pick um, are still with us today, 30 years later, um, which is unheard of. My attorney says, you don't want to continue licensing these guys. And it's like, no, but they're great people and they're doing a great job. Um, So you will have some successes um, and you will have uh, some challenges uh, just as best you can. Pick the right one. Sure. Um, but, you know, uh, Paul, um,
1: I would say what, – what
2: was the question one more time?
1: I was just, you know, looking at today uh, for your brand, what is your ideal candidate profile? What are you yeah, looking candidate. for in a candidate? Yeah. <sighs> um,
2: we're looking for an owner-operator. You know, it, it's not an absentee owner. It's just our business model. No, no absentee owners. They can have designated managers, but they have to be involved in the business. Um, so that's one. Is that's kind of the the big funnel is uh, owner-operator. The second one is um, they have to like dealing with people. So if uh, if they love working on computers and behind a desk and not having to interact with people, <clears throat> not interested.
1: Um, mm-hmm. The app.
2: So, one, they have to be a people person. They have to enjoy um, being around people. The, um, they have to be able to do consultative-type selling. In other words, they can't be afraid not to, uh, and not talk to people. So they just have to be what I would call just be friendly. Are you a friendly person? Are you trustworthy? Do you have an easy, easy personality to get to know or an easy smile? Uh, people will buy from people they trust. So if you're not friendly, you're not personable, and you don't like being around people, I don't want you in business. <laughs> uh, so from a personality standpoint, that's kind of what I'm looking for. They don't really have to be extroverts. Um, I, that's not really needed. They just need to be, I, I would say, comfortable in their skin, just comfortable for who they are and just be friendly and personable. From, that's one side of it. The other side of that is I need someone to be, someone to be somewhat mechanically inclined. Um, I don't need them to be a master carpenter. I don't need them to be a, uh, a, a auto mechanic, but they've got to be able to know how to work with their hands. So I like to say that you know you need to know what the business end of a screwdriver is. If you don't,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, this is it's going to be too hard. I've got a I have a really good friend. He he would do phenomenal in this business from a sales standpoint, but he's terrible at mechanically inclined. He would be, I wouldn't have him as a candidate just because he doesn't know how things go together. And we can teach people how to put things together, but they just have to have that mechanical ability. And so those are, you know, being friendly, personable, uh, having a mechanical ability, and then they've got to have some money. You've got to have some capital. And, uh, you know, the the other thing is, um, you know, we look, it, it's, it's a 10-year agreement with us so we look for bringing somebody into our family uh, our screen family for a 10-year time frame and so you got to be able to get along with our team so we really like it when people come out and they, we get to meet them we get to talk to them um, they get to see who we are um, you know there's there's no smoke and mirror it's it's a lot of work it's hard work and um, we just let them know that up front uh, we can help you we can teach you do you have these skill sets uh, and if so, we you know in our team like you, we probably should do something. if not, that's okay. Let's not get started because there's so much that has to go on and so much work that has to happen that we just want to find the right people and so the you know the ideal candidate um, personable, mechanically inclined, friendly, trustworthy uh, and then the last thing that we look for um, is uh, if if they've taken care of Their personal life when it comes to their finances, they're probably going to take care of their business life when they get into Mm Screamville. So, you know, no matter what they've done in the past, if they've worked at Walmart as a greeter, if they run their own business, if they've been an employee, you know, what do you do with your money? And how do you take care of your money that really will determine how you will take care of your money as a business owner? And so that's, that's kind of, a, you know, one of the things I would tell potential franchisors. Don't ignore their past because their past is, you know, there may be some things in their past that they have they can give some rationale on, and we've had those. But then there are some things that you just look at it and say, listen, this guy just makes bad decisions when it comes to money. And there's a good indication they're going to make bad decisions when it comes to their business and money.
1: Mm-hmm. And that becomes that interesting. Becomes
2: a lot of pain, a lot of pain for you.
1: Sure. And you
2: you would think Paul that coaching them and supporting them and guiding them and directing them, um, encouraging them through that. If that's one of their weaknesses, um, man, you're just not there with them when they're making those decisions on when they're going to go on vacation and how much they're going to go on vacation. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they can blow themselves up no matter how much money they're making when they're not taking care of their, their personal life when it comes to their spending habits.
1: Right, right, no doubt. So yeah. franchisee comes on board, he signs his franchise agreement, he remits his um, franchise fee. What can he, he or she expect in the next steps? Yeah, so
2: once they uh, we've gone through their, the sales process, they're in, we're ready to go, we've all stacked hands that they're a good fit for the team and they're a good fit for us. Um, then we order their trailer, that takes about six to eight weeks. We schedule their training. We get everything else on order for them. Yeah, we do a pr- onboarding call to get them prepared for it. We schedule their, uh, where they're going to be helping them, schedule where they're going to stay at. Um, so then we, we start. Um, they start opening up bank accounts. They, we sign franchise agreements. If they're getting loans, we'll help them with the paperwork on that. And we, we just, from the time they sign the agreement, to the time we get them open is usually about 90 days. Mm-hmm. And we'll take okay. them from knowing nothing about screens to, um, to learning quite a bit about screens. In a two, we do a two-week training class uh, here at our office. We have a training room and a, and a house that we train on, and so it's hands-on production. And then um, we do a 13-week, we call it a fast start program which is every week for 13 weeks after training we're going to continue the education and continue the learning um, on different topics that you're going to need to know as you start building your business because what we found is and most franchisors will will find this it's it's not about the when you take them through training it's not about the material and the material that they're learning. It's about retaining the information when they get out into the field or retaining the information after they leave. So what we found is that we have to not only train the information, but then we have to support it in little pieces at a time uh, over a 13-week period, which ramps them up and gets them up into the uh, the income range quicker that they need to get into. So um, that's that's something we've uh, been working on pretty hard to make sure that we ramp them up quicker. In the, uh, the learning state, you're trying to cut down that learning curve and the
1: time that it takes. And, and now they're um, full-blown franchisee operating their business. What is the typical day in the life of a, of a franchisee? Yep,
2: yep, day in the life. Um, they're having fun. <laughs> they're having fun. Uh, they're working hard. They're having fun. You know, it's really neat that the customers are calling you because they found you somehow, right? So they may not know everything they need to know, but they look good, and they know enough to get themselves in trouble. So they're getting out there. They're calling um, my support team. They're sending pictures and videos, and and they're doing it. They're making money. They're they're generating income. And they, they'll start in the morning. You know, they'll, they'll get themselves organized in the morning, load up materials, take their truck and trailer because it's a mobile um so We teach them how to load their equipment. They go out to the job site. They measure, manufacture, and install window, door, screens, porches, and patios. And they'll hit, depending on the size of the job, it might be one job a day because it's so large, or it might be five or six jobs a day. And so you're having five or six touches with these different customers throughout the day, um, measuring, manufacturing, and installing window, door, screens. The nice part about it <clears throat> is you're getting paid five or six times a day. Um, which is really, you know, in the construction industry, you know, we're kind of in that world, but more in modeling and home improvement. Um, some of these guys are they're doing work and they're billing and they're not getting paid for 60 or 90 days. So for us, you know, yeah, no receivables, up a job.
1: none of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: It's awesome. It's awesome. You know, cash is king. So
1: you have a yep. good cash, cash flow and you, have, you don't have to. Ex- yep. So it's, it's, it's so really good. Let so let they ask usually you work- the, million, the million dollar question. You know, uh-huh. if I were to take a group of your franchisees, put them together in a room, and ask them to, to describe in one word the relationship as a franchisee uh, with, uh, with you as the franchisor, what would that, the, the whole experience as a franchisee, what would that one word be? Probably honest. That's Excellent. 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 So with a couple of seconds that we have to uh, wrap up, um, tell us how uh, individuals can learn more about your opportunity, maybe trade shows you might be at, or the best way just for them to learn more and and also give us an idea of parts of the country uh, you might be looking for current franchisees.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, probably the best way is just to go to our website, uh, That's screenmobile.com. That's our consumer site. And when you get onto the consumer site, it says, you know, franchise opportunities. And that takes you to our franchise.screenmobile.com. And we're here really to, you know, they're at a pivotal stage in their their career, in their life. They're they're learning. They want to make a change. And so we're here to help them, guide them through that process so they can either – send us an email they can give us a phone call they can fill out a form for for more information um, we're really there to help to see if this is a good fit for what they're looking for and what we're offering uh, we don't we don't take every candidate we don't take everybody but um, that's that's probably the best start gives a give us some information okay. they can fill out a form um, they can always call you know we have a 666 Six two five. They can always call us if they want, or email us at franchiseinfo at franchiseinfo@screenablebill.com. They can text. Um, there's just there's just different ways, but it's really, um, and I and I have a, a nice, a good quality team that really understands the brand, and they take them through a, a process to make sure that um, it's a good fit for them. And um, man, we've been having some really. Uh, Really good, solid people joining our team lately. And uh, really, really just, yeah, just really, really enjoy the new franchisees coming on. Not that we don't enjoy our old ones, but we're just seeing a a nice new uh, batch of really good quality people. Uh, And I don't know why, but either we're able to decipher who we want to bring on better or we're telling the story better and they just – we're getting the right people. We're, I, I'm not sure yet, but I do know that um, we're really happy with what uh, what we're seeing. And our franchisees are
1: just great people, great team members. So any any that, particular parts of the country that might be a hotter spot than others right now?
2: You know, uh, down south, we're looking for people, you know, Florida market's always big. Um, down in Georgia, we need, we just put a location in north of Atlanta. We need some more people in uh, Georgia, South Carolina. There's some area Texas. We got a lot of area open in Texas. Uh, California is is we've got a few spots left in California, but uh, it's pretty full. Arizona's full. Utah's full. Um, we got some Midwest areas available.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the right, that, good. that area, good. The country. Yeah. Well, Scott. Yeah, we're uh, looking for some- We blew through an hour. <laughs> wow. Valid. Yeah, we blew through calm. an hour. We've only got. Yeah, we've only got about a, two minutes left. Uh, I certainly wanted to uh, take the time to to thank you properly. I really appreciate you being our guest today. And, and again, uh, I pass on uh, a note from Stan Friedman, my co-host, who would have loved to have been here uh, today. But as he said. If I forced him to be here today, he might have been cranky, and we probably wouldn't want that. <laughs> well, thank you, Paul. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, that's another segment of Franchise Today. Uh, Franchise Today will be celebrating our country's our great country's independence uh, next week on Fourth of July. So we will not air live, but it's a great opportunity for you to get onto Franchise Today. Uh, at Blog Talk Radio, that's BlogTalkRadio.com/franchise today, or look for us at Franchise Today on iTunes. Listen to any one of over 300 segments of Franchise Today on demand. Um, I think you'll find it very interesting and very helpful. Until two weeks from now, my name is Paul Segreto. Wishing you the best, the very best, in this great, great called
0: franchise. Franchise Pro, stand the man. A whole Paul Segreto. Time to show you the way. Of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of the entrepreneur? Or lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever passion lights that pilot like under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam? Using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a Rage of Fire. From a single to a multi unit empire. Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear. It's streaming in HD. So fine tuned above your ears. And Standing Paul lays down the law. Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor, it's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising, proven concepts, and start enterprising. So use your left and right side of your brain and absorb this knowledge here. Franchise of the Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, franchise today, Franchising today. Huh? Franchising today.